Section 48 of Flowers of Free Thought, First Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in September 2020. Flowers of Free Thought by George William Foote. Section 48 A Real Miracle. May 1891. It is a common belief among Protestants, though not among Catholics, that the age of miracles is past. For a long time it has been very difficult to find a real case of special providence. There are stories afloat of wonderful faith cures, and the followers of John Wesley, as well as the followers of William Booth, often shake their heads mysteriously, and affect to trace the hand of God in certain episodes of their experience. But such cases are too personal and too subjective to challenge criticism or inquiry. Investigating them is like exploring a cloud. There is nothing tangible for the mind to seize, nothing to stand by as the basis of discussion. What is wanted is a real, objective miracle, a positive fact. Happily, such a miracle has come to the aid of a distressed Christianity, it is worth tons of learned apologetics, and will give the dying creed a fresh lease of life. Unfortunately, the world at large is in gross ignorance of this astonishing event. Like the earthquake, the eclipse, and the wholesale resurrection of saints at the crucifixion of Christ, it has excited very little public attention. But this dense apathy, or satanic conspiracy of silence, must not be allowed to hide a precious truth. We therefore do our best to give it publicly, although in doing so we are blasting our own foundations, for we belong to a party which boasts that it seeks for truth, and we are ready to exclaim, Let truth prevail, though the heavens fall. Most of our readers will remember the late accident on the Brighton line at Norwood, a bridge collapsed, and only the driver's presence of mind averted a great loss of life. Of course, the driver did his obvious duty, and presence of mind is not uncommon enough to be miraculous. But that does not exhaust the matter. The driver, Hargraves, is perfectly sure he received divine assistance. He is a man of pious habits. He never leaves his house without kneeling down with his wife and imploring God's protection. He never steps on the engine without breathing another prayer. On the morning of the accident his piety was in a state of unusual excitation. He begged his wife to pray all that day, which we presume she did with intervals for refreshment, and he knelt down himself in the passage before opening his front door. When the accident happened he put the brake on and cried, Lord save us, and according to the Christian world, it has since been stated by expert engineers that no train was ever before pulled up in such a short distance. A carping critic might presume to ask the names and addresses of these expert engineers. He might also have the temerity to inquire the precise distance in which the train was pulled up, the shortest distance in which other trains have been pulled up, and the weight and velocity of the train in each case. He might also meanly suggest that putting on the brake left as little as possible to providence. For our part, however, we will not pursue such hypercriticism. 
it is applying to a miracle a test which it is not fitted to stand something must be left to faith something must be reserved from reason or the stoutest miracle would soon fall into a galloping consumption the man in whom a pious disposition counteracts the restless play of thought will not demand absolute proof he will only require an encouraging amount of evidence and he will dutifully lift his face and hands to heaven exclaiming lord i believe help thou mine unbelief the line we shall follow is a different one without questioning the miracle we venture to ask why it was not more complete lives were saved but several persons were injured was this due to the fact that hargrave's prayer was not sufficiently above proof did the lord answer the prayer according to its insensity was there a skeptic in the train who partially neutralized its effect or did the lord proceed on the method favored by priests preventing the miracle from being too obvious but giving the incident a slightly supernatural appearance in order to confirm the faith of believers without convincing the callous skeptics whose deep sin of incredulity places them beyond the means of grace and the hope of glory nor are these questions exhaustive very much remains to be said it appears that the norwood bridge collapsed through a secret flaw in the ironwork could not the lord therefore in answer to hargrave's prayers which surely extended to the interests of his employers have inspired one of the company's engineers with the notion of some unsoundness in the structure this would have saved a good deal of property and many passengers from suffering a shock whose effects may haunt them for years and perhaps send them to untimely graves might not the lord have cleared the roadway below knocked down the bridge in the night and brought someone to see the collapse who could have carried the tidings to the signal men certainly there seems a remarkable want of subtlety in the ways of providence it looks as though the deity heard a prayer now and then and jerked out a bit of miracle in a more or less promiscuous manner what has happened to providence since the bible days miracles then were clear convincing and artistically rounded you could not possibly mistake them for anything else balaam's ass for instance was not a performing moke it does not appear to have known a single trick and when it opened its mouth and talked in good moabitish the miracle was certain and triumphant in the same way the norwood miracle might have been unadulterated with the usual operations of nature the bridge might have collapsed as the train approached driver hargraves might have said his prayer the train might have leapt across the chasm picked up the connection on the other side and pursued its way to brighton as if nothing had happened but as the case stands providence and the safety brake act together and it is difficult to decide their shares in the enterprise further the miracle is sadly mixed any human being would have planned it better and made it stand out clearly and firmly this norwood miracle however seems the best obtainable in these days it is a minute return for all the prayers of the clergy to say nothing of pious engine drivers a miserable dividend on the gigantic investment in supernaturalism we pity the poor shareholders though we must congratulate the directors on the large salaries they draw from the business 
we also pity poor old providence who seems almost played out once upon a time he was in fine form miracles were as common as blackberries nature seldom got an innings and jehovah was all over the field but nowadays nature seems to have got the better of him she scarcely leaves him a corner for his operations and what little he does if he does anything has to be done in obscurity poor old providence we fancy has had his day his vigour is gone his lively fancy has degenerated into moking ineptitude the shouts of millions of worshippers cannot stimulate his sluggishness into any more effective display than this norwood miracle more sincerely we offer him our condolence as the sleeping partner in the business of religion by and by we may offer our condolence to the active partners the priests of all denominations who still flourish on a prospectus which if once true is now clearly fraudulent when their business dwindles in consequence of a failing supply of good supernatural articles they will only live on the price of actual deliveries and a norwood miracle will hardly afford six of them a mouthful apiece End of section 48